I'm Ryan. Welcome to Bible on the Beach. Today we'll be looking at Acts chapter 1, verses 12 through 26. Now, the purpose of Bible on the Beach is disciples making disciples, churches that plant churches. I want to show you how important it is to go through the Bible a little bit at a time, to understand it, to take it seriously, to be led by the Holy Spirit as God's Word speaks to us. So, in that spirit, let's get into Acts chapter 1, verse 12 today. Now, we pick up from last time, and we see that the disciples left the Mount of Olives and returned to Jerusalem, which was a mile away. Now, Jesus <clears throat> had just finished ascending into heaven, and here we find that they really did apply what it was that he was trying to teach them. Remember, he's, he wanted to start the church by getting them to wait. Wait for what? Wait for the Holy Spirit. They knew that if they were going to be successful, they knew that if they were going to be the people God wanted them to be, they were going to have to learn how to pause and they were going to have to learn how to wait. This is exactly what they do. <clears throat> now, arriving there, they went into a large second floor room to pray. <clears throat> so we can see right away that they really did understand what it was that Jesus was trying to teach them because we find them waiting. We find them waiting in prayer. Every good thing that has happened in my life has happened when I was patient and I prayed. Now, conversely, virtually every mistake that I've made in my life was because I was in a hurry. I was being impetuous and I wanted to speed things up and, quote, get things done. <clears throat> and so here we see that they chose the right thing. They chose to get together and they chose to pray. Now, this is one of the reasons why we, we gather in prayer on Wednesday nights, all of our pastors and our crew, uh, some Papa from uh, planted a church in El Salvador, Mitch who planted a church in Argentina, uh, Brad who's planted a church up in Costa Mesa, our friend Dustin who's going to be planting a church in Oceanside, uh, Pastor Steve who's been our worship leader for a long time. <clears throat> Uh, Nico, who's just planted a church up in Malibu. Uh, this is one of the reasons why we do this, because uh, the only thing better than praying by yourself is uh, praying with other people. So here we find them actually making two good choices. They decided to pray and get together to pray. Now it says, those present <clears throat> were Peter, John, Jacob, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, Jacob the son of Alphaeus, Simon the zealot, Judas the son of Jacob, a number of women including Mary, Jesus' mother, his brothers were there as well. All of them were united in prayer, gripped with one passion, interceding day and night. Now this is really interesting. We learn a couple of things right off the bat. One of the things that we learn is that God loves diversity, and he loves diversity because you can see it in the people that he called immediately uh, in his earliest disciples. The earliest people were really an eclectic group of people. They constituted all levels of education, all backgrounds of life, and God, uh, men and women, and God brought them together, and it says that they were united in prayer. If there's anything 
that can unite people together, it's the act of praying. Because what happens is you get beyond all of the superficial things that help us to connect. I've been a surfer since I was 12 years old. I always get along with surfers. I ride a motorcycle. I get along with motorcycle riders. I ride a bicycle. I have a lot of education. It's very easy to get along with people that have similar interests that you have. But prayer does something different. Prayer breaks through all of the superficial things that cause us to connect. You know, when you pray with someone, you can be connected like that. That's why God wants us to pray together because the quicker that we learn to pray together, we will stay together. God glues us together, glues the people together through the act of praying. And it says that first they were united and then they were gripped with passion. They were held together by their sincere belief that prayer was the answer to everything that they were facing. They felt this way so much that they were committed to it uh, both day and night. You know, what's interesting is the closer you get to God and the farther you go uh, in your life, the more you'll take time to pray and you'll relax and prayer takes your stress down. Prayer takes your anxiety down. Prayer takes your to-do list down and it switches operating from being in a hurry to slowing down and partnering with God and walking with God and actually watching God go ahead of you and do miracles. And the more we slow down and the more we pray, the more God goes ahead of us and just clears the path, opens doors, speaks to people, brings resources, everything that you need happens when you just slow down and you allow God to do it in you and through you instead of trying to hurry up and help God. We don't need to hurry up and help God. We need to slow down. We need to pray. Then God goes ahead of us and he starts opening doors and doing things that nobody can do. And this is what the church uh, got to see them do right away here in the book of Acts. Now, look at verse 15. Now, during this time, Peter stood up among the 120 believers who were gathered. Now, you'll see, so after um, a few years of Jesus' ministry, there was a church of about 120 people in the area of Jerusalem. This is a good reminder for anybody who feels called to go into a new community and disciple people and build a church. Now, last week we talked about, or last last time we talked about the importance of understanding that when God starts a spirit, God starts a physical life and a spiritual life, he always starts with two people. And this is really important to remember because if you don't get your expectations in line with what God does and how he operates, you can set yourself up for disappointment. So after Jesus's ministry, nearly four years, there are about 120 people. 
Uh, so you should keep that as a kind of litmus. And this, by the way, this was Jesus who was doing all of the discipling. We're not necessarily going to live up to those standards. It's just a good reminder to understand that discipling people takes time. Uh, building a followership of Jesus into people's lives, it takes time. It happens through relationship, uh, through the ups and downs of sharing all of life's experiences. It does take a while for us to come to the place where we, where we really learn to follow Jesus in every part of our life. Now, Peter said... In verse 16, he said, Fellow believers, the scripture David <clears throat> prophesied by the Holy Spirit concerning Judas had to be fulfilled. Now you'll remember, uh, Judas betrayed our Lord and led the mob to the garden to arrest him. He was one of us, and he was chosen to be an apostle just as we were. He earned the wages of his sin, for he fell headfirst and his belly split open, spilling his intestines on the ground. Now, everyone in Jerusalem knows what happened to him. And that's why the field where he died is in Aramaic is called Hakodama. That is the bloody field. For it is written in the Psalms, let his house be deserted and become a wasteland. And no, and no one will live there. And also, let another take his ministry. So he goes back over the, the history of Judas. How Judas betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. How Judas was so filled with grief and regret at his disappointing decision that he took his own life. And he was, um, his intestines were spilled out in what's known as the field of blood. Have you ever been seized with regret so much in your life? You know, a lot of people have a lot of regret and and remorse in their life now the wrong thing to do is to take your life based on being seized with so much guilt and so much grief and so much regret it short circuits the plan of what god wants to do in you and through you and that's what judas did he short-circuited uh, the plan uh, for his life he took his own life now, this was tragic, this was sad, uh, this was terrible. It was terrible for Judas, uh, it, was, it was hard for the early disciples, so much so that they remembered him, and yet they also knew that they needed to find a leader to replace him. So, this is what's going on here. Now, this is really good, because you learn a few things about how to pick leaders. Now, you'll learn, they ended up picking a, a good leader that we're going to get to here in a second. But I want you to set the context for how to pick good leaders. One, they were all together praying. Uh, they were all unified. They were all passionate uh, in the same direction. They had a lot of unity, a lot of prayer, and out of a lot of unity and out of a lot of prayer came a really good decision for who they should pick to be a leader. Here's how you pick bad leaders. Get in a hurry, don't pray, and make a decision. So. There's always a correlation between the size of the decision and how much you should pray. Now, when it comes to leadership, very big decisions. So you want to make sure you pray and hear from God and then uh, be led by the, by the peace. The closer you get to God, the more 
your prayer and more peace you will feel as you uh, make decisions, especially as it pertains to um, the early leadership of a church. So look at verse 21. It says, so then we must choose as replacement from among those who've been with us from the very beginning. So they wanted to see someone who had been who, be, who had been time tested. They wanted to see someone who'd been through some different seasons. They wanted to see someone who had some loyalty. And so they felt uh, this was kind of their litmus. Uh, and they gave a little timeline there. They said from John's baptism to Jesus's ascension. So there was some history there. And like us, he must be a witness of the resurrection. So Jesus had just been resurrected maybe two months before this. They wanted to make sure someone had seen that powerful experience. That was both a literal event at the time, but today you can also think of it as a metaphor, and you want to make sure that somebody really understands that Jesus has resurrected and changed their life, especially if they're going to be uh, influencing others. And there's a difference between influencing people for worldly things and influencing people for the kingdom of God. Those are two different things. They're very important to distinguish. We want to influence people spiritually, and that's a different set of characteristics that we're supposed to follow. So they outline this here. Now we look at verse 23. They proposed two candidates. One was Joseph who's also called Barsabbas the Just, and Matthias. They all prayed. So they brought these two people forward. They all prayed, Lord, you know the heart of every man. So there was, they, they trusted in the purity and the intention of the people that they had brought forward. So if you ever have to question someone's purity, purity of intention or their purity of motives, that's a red flag. And they said, please give us a clear revelation to know which of these two men you have chosen to be an apostle and take Judas's place because he renounced the apostleship to go where, where he belonged. Again, a little reference to Judas and his choice. Then what happened here was they cast lots and determined that Matthias was the Lord's choice. So he added to the 11 apostles. Now the simplest way to understand the decision-making process was um, they prayed, they felt peaceful, then they sort of casting lots was a little bit like rolling the dice. And so it's interesting that they would bring down God's will to a little bit of a dice game. Very interesting way and I think what they wanted to do was they felt peaceful they felt so close about both of the candidates that they had brought forward that they that that when they came right down to it they were going to trust that God was going to that this decision was going to be left up to God based on the results of rolling the dice and agreeing ahead of time that wherever the lots were cast, that would be the person that God was indicating that they should choose. A very interesting, um, a little bit like drawing straws or rolling dice. It's really interesting that they left God's will to be determined in this manner. But what I'd like to point out is there is some purity in this because God can work through an honest process. And that's what this was. 
and he did. And in fact, it says in verse 26 that they cast lots and determined that Matthias was the Lord's choice. So he was added to the 11 apostles. This is just a fascinating first chapter of the book of Acts. It begins by Jesus telling them, I'm going to do amazing things through you. First, I need you to learn to wait and to pray. Pick the right leaders. And then as we get into Acts chapter 2, you are going to start to see miracle after miracle after miracle. But it needs to be understood in the timeline and the context of the process that they went through to get to this point. There was a total unity in prayer. People on their faces before God. Godly leadership and decision making. And you'll begin to see now that it was upon this foundation and also a correct understanding of how the church spread. They were sent out in twos because they understood that physical life and spiritual life, a church always started with two called people to a community. So you put all of that together, their understanding of what the church was, how it started, how it evolved, the commitment to prayer, the the, the way to choose leaders, and you put all of this together, and this lays the foundation for a fascinating story that we're gonna begin to get into as we get into the rest of the book of Acts. Now, God has fascinating things for you and for I. And what we have to do, we have to come to the place in our life where we just slow down and we pray and we ask God to guide us. And I want to give us a chance to do that right now. You know, if you're watching this, you can say, God, I want to slow down. I want to be united with you. I want to be uh, in fellowship with you. I want to be as close to you as I can possibly be. And God, in that spirit, would you come into my life? Would you guide me? Would you fill me? Would you direct me? Because I want to be used by you. If there's anything in my life that I need to turn away from or quit doing, show me what it is and I'll pray and I'll stop it. And I ask that you would fill me now and guide me in Jesus name. This is when life gets exciting, is when we yield our lives completely to God and we believe that through prayer and through unity, He can do anything. That wraps up today's Bible on the Beach lesson in Acts chapter 1, verses 12 through 26. And next time, we'll be getting into Acts chapter 2. If you do me a favor, you're getting a lot out of this, please subscribe to this channel. The purpose of it is to make disciples who make disciples, to plant churches that plant churches. If you find this useful and encouraging, please subscribe to it and mention it to someone else. That is how I want this channel to grow. Thank you so much.